This is Transistor.fm. Hey folks, I'm doing a contest on my other podcast, Megamaker.co, that I think you will like. You can win an hour with Peldy, the founder of Balsamic. To enter, you just need to go to Megamaker.co slash dream small. So I'm here at MicroConf in Las Vegas. This is that conference I was telling you about. It's for self-funded startups. And uh, you might hear my voice is a little bit raspy from all of the late nights and hanging out. And there's been some amazing talks. Uh, but I think my favorite part has been meeting people that listen to this show or my other show, Mega Maker. And I just wanted to maybe give a shout out to some of them um, because that's kind of fun when you're listening and you hear your name. Uh, so Leticia at OptimizePlayer.com, Steve Franco at BetterCater.com, Ryan Benick and Ward Sandler at MyMemberspace.com. So thanks to you guys for listening and it was really great meeting you at the conference. This is part two of my conversation with Nathan Berry. If you haven't listened to part one, go listen to that. Otherwise, listen on. Well, I have to say, I got made fun of a lot in the software circles for the email marketing for professional bloggers. People are like, seriously, when are you going to target real companies? When are you going to target, you know, Mm-hmm. software companies um, or, you know, small to medium businesses or like you'll never build a business there. Um, but the thing is, bloggers are better at building email lists than anyone else on the planet. Mm-hmm. Like a SaaS company that's doing well with their marketing, say they've got 10 employees. Well, let's use ConvertKit as an example. Yeah. Um, we have 20,000 subscribers on our ConvertKit email list. Wow. A professional blogger is going to look at that and go, yeah, I have 100,000. Yeah. Exactly. And they're going to grow so much faster because they are the absolute best in the world at growing email lists, growing audiences. Um, and so guess what? Every new subscriber that we, that, you know, you add your convert account, we make more money off of. So we make a significant amount of money off of account upgrades. Mm-hmm. Whereas someone targeting software companies, they're not going to make the same level of money off of, off of account upgrades because their, their customers just aren't growing as fast. Um, yeah. The other thing is the referral side of things. Um, bloggers talk about what they use and everyone copies other bloggers. And affiliates are a huge deal in the blogging space. Mm-hmm. And it's really common. So people always ask like, oh, your affiliates program has been working really well. I want to replicate it over in whatever other space. And I'm like, the culture is not of an affiliate program is not there in that other industry. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a huge thing because uh, you can start a, a company or a product and you feel like the product's great, there's demand for it, but there's these other kind of tangibles that you don't think about. One of which is how hard is it to convince someone to put in their credit card? And there's so many products where you, they have to talk to five people just to put in the credit mm-hmm. card once. Whereas if you're just targeting this one individual who's building their own business, it's so much easier for them to just be like, okay, well, I'll just put my credit card in. I don't have to talk to anybody. I'll just do it. 
And obviously, maybe the disadvantage is, like you said, it might be a little bit softer on the retention side. Mm -hmm. Maybe. Um, In your case. On the low end, it absolutely is. Yeah. Like uh, the churn on our um, $29 a month plan is obnoxiously high. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So now let's go. Okay. So let's go back. We're going to, we're now we're at the stage of building from 1 million to 2 million. Mm-hmm. And like I said, when I opened, I know a lot of companies that just stay at a million forever. It, they hit that plateau. So did you do anything different from a million to 2 million? And how the hell did you do it in 90 days? Yeah. So, um, I remember I was following along uh, with customer.io and their journey because they wrote a blog post back in 2013, I think about basically they grew from like 2,500 a month to 50,000 a month in 12 months. Um, And it's a great post. You go back and read it. And when I asked um, Colin about it and I was like, what's your biggest acquisition channel? And he's like, Oh, word of mouth. I'm like, at the time I thought, yeah, bullshit. Like, you know, how can that be an acquisition channel? Cause we had nothing coming from word of mouth. Yeah. <laughs> turns out um, if you don't have customers, you can't have word of mouth referrals. And so what it came down to is the direct sales is what kickstarts the word of mouth. And so we hustled really hard um, up to say 25,000 a month in revenue. And then from 25,000 to 83,000, which is the 1 million um, in run rate, um, there was a, there was a lot of direct sales, but there was also a lot of partnerships where we did some larger webinars. We'd gotten the influence and a l- enough of the buzz that some of these bigger bloggers would do a webinar with us. And we might pick up 25 up to a hundred accounts from doing one of these webinars. Um, and then, you know, and so the word of mouth and the affiliate stuff is starting to kick in there from, you know, going forward from the 1 million to 2 million, um, that is really emphasizing the partnerships and the webinars. And we still do the direct sales, but now it's only a third of what we do. Um, whereas um, affiliates and you know just word of mouth referrals would make up the other two thirds. And so that gets easier and easier. We've noticed a phenomenon where like ConvertKit organically infects more and more of these Facebook groups. We're like, there's a Facebook group run by some blogger. It's got 2,500 members. And they're all talking about, you know, the business of blogging and sharing tactics. And someone goes, hey, have you guys checked out ConvertKit? And someone else is like, yeah, I have. And, and then before you know it, everyone in that group is talking about ConvertKit. And someone asks us to like come and do a little training for that group. And so we show up and answer questions. So now it, the spread is much more organic. Uh, but it took a lot of work to like get that ball rolling. Yeah. And, and so you said a third is like webinars, Mm-hmm. And any, any of the, um, we, we wrote a lot, I had people write a lot of like ConvertKit versus MailChimp or ConvertKit, you know, what they thought of ConvertKit yeah. reviews. So we gave anyone who did that a month free. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, and so that's, you know, we went from having like five reviews of ConvertKit written on the web to having like 50, um, in the course of a couple of weeks. Um, yeah. So I, I count anything affiliate related where we're paying out a commission into one category. So, That's probably a third of our revenue. So there really was a tipping point where all that work you'd done kind of built up to this point where now there is like this ball rolling, 
right? Mm-hmm. Like there's this machine kind of going now. I, what, what surprises me is that it was so quick. Like uh, 90 days just seems very, very quick to double revenue. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and we're going to do it again and probably, I mean, our goal is to do it in less than 75 days to go to get to the next million in revenue. Um, wow. We might, we might be able to do it even faster. I mean, we did a webinar. Um, this hasn't even shown up in our numbers yet because it was all uh, first month free trials. Yeah. We did a webinar with Pat Flynn um, and picked up 750 new accounts. Wow. And so I'm eagerly awaiting. Uh, it was all on a first month free. So we don't message it as a trial or anything like that. We just message it as like, if you sign up today, we'll give you your first month free. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, April like April 12th or whatever, somewhere in there, those will all kick in on bare metrics. And uh, it's like 20 grand in recurring revenue that we picked up from two webinars. And so Pat did that so he could get the affiliate revenue. Is that the deal? Exactly. Yeah. So he wants to convert it now pays for his Tesla. So, (laughs) so, so those partnerships are important too, obviously that, that uh, having someone with that big of an audience that can, that can do that. And, and you don't see it slowing down like the, this, you, the momentum, I- including churn is mm-hmm. so, because f- the other thing is you don't have much data yet. You, the, you've got, you know, most of these people are still, you know, six months, or, they've been around for six months or eight months or, or two or two. Or yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, there's so many people that, um, I don't remember the exact numbers. We closed out the end of last year, uh, well below 2000 customers and it won't, you know, and it won't be long before we pass 4,000. Um, if you include our, our active trials and everything, we're well over 4,000 right now. Yeah. And so you gotta think just how many people have been with us for, you know, 60 days or less. Um, yeah. so you're right. The data is hard to know, like calculating lifetime value and stuff like that. I'm like, and I don't even know. Yeah. Does that worry you at all? Like the, do you feel like there, any of this could be softer or do you feel like, no, this seems solid? Um, our churn has been higher than I would like. Um, we've been having trouble getting some new accounts onboarded and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we had some scaling issues with customer support about a month ago where we were just getting crushed and not handling it well. And, um, but since we've gotten that under control, churn is trending downwards again. And so I feel good about that. Quite frankly, the amount of growth that we have, I mean, we're able to add $30,000 in new revenue every month after churn. And that's after some pretty high churn numbers because um, in January and February, we had 10% churn, yeah. which is is painfully high. Yeah. But if we're able to add $30,000 in revenue after a 10% churn, yeah. Um, and our customer base that's referring new customers is just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, and there's still the vast majority of bloggers have never even heard of us. They don't even know we exist. Yeah. And so I look at these other companies. MailChimp's got 450 employees. Yeah. They're doing some pretty good revenue. Um, Aweber has 120 employees. They're doing between 50 and 75 million a year in revenue. Um, I'll take some more of their customers. Yeah. Our campaign monitor just raised 250 million, you know, last uh, year and a half ago at a, over a billion dollar valuation. Yeah, um, I'll take some of their customers. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I can, 
<laughs> Mad Mimi is a tiny player and they sold the GoDaddy for 45 million. Yeah. Um, you know, I just, I see the game differently now. We, um, and before, you know, the, the goal a few years ago, <laughs> the goal a year and a half ago was like, all right, let's build a nice business up to 50K a month in revenue. And then eventually we can get it to 100K and that would be amazing. Yeah. Um, and now we're looking at, okay, what does it take to get to 10 million a year in revenue and then 50 million a year in revenue and beyond? Yeah. And so the other thing that uh, doesn't get talked about very much is profit. Mm-hmm. And I think I read in your yearly review that you, something about profit. I can't remember what it was now. So what that there can, wasn't any. Yeah. <laughs> what can you tell us about profit? Yeah. So this has been taking up a lot of my time and energy over the last few months. Um, Cause if you had told me that if you told me when we were making five grand a month in revenue, that at 50 grand a month in revenue, we would have a profit margin of $2,000 a month. Mm-hmm. I would have been like, no way. We'll figure out a way to, you know. Yeah. Um, but that's how it ended up. And a lot of it was because of the rapid growth. We had, with the growth curve, um, and I can share, you know, send you some screenshots later or something that like the growth, growth curve is ridiculous. But to keep up with that, we had to spend so much money on hiring. And um, I mean, we had four people in October four full-time people in October by January 1st, we had four, uh, 14 full-time people. Wow. You have, so, you have 14 full-time people right now. Yeah. Oh my God, man. <laughs> you're, you, d- d- don't you just feel like all this weight, like all the, or, or you just, I, I, I used to, um, <laughs> so we were running, you know, I think in December we put up a $5,000 profit on 80. no, on $95,000 in revenue, we did a $5,000 profit. Mm-hmm. Um, in January, we actually lost $15,000. Um, Why? But I made a stupid mistake and forgot to pay the credit card bill in December. And I thought that I had it and I budgeted accordingly. Gotcha. Um, and then I overspent in a couple other areas. I was actually thought we were going to put up a profit in January and we we did not. Um. So we're spending really quickly, but in general, with the exception of January, we've always put up profit, mm-hmm. for, say for the last six months. Um, but if you have $10,000 in the bank and you're spending $10,000 a month, like that's not bad. You're, you've got a month of runway and you have the world's most predictable revenue stream and no customer makes up you know, a very like, big percentage of revenue. Yeah. So it's not that bad. But then as revenue grows and you're adding to that, you know, now say you've got $25,000 a month in revenue, $24,000 a month in expenses and $15,000 in the bank. Like mm-hmm. your bank account is bigger. That's great. Yeah. But now you've got, what is that? 17 days worth of expenses. Yeah. And so I watched our bank account grow, but our expenses grow so much faster that that got really scary. Um, and I just didn't see it changing. Like we were having to spend so much on servers and hiring more people on the support team and all of that. Yeah. Uh, it, it was getting really hard even to the point where beginning of February, I was like, crap, how do we do this? We we're down to, we're spending a hundred and just over a hundred thousand dollars a month, um, in expenses, like 110,000. Wow. And we had $50,000 in the bank. Wow. And this is just two months ago. This is two months ago. Yeah. Um, 
and it wasn't getting more efficient. Um, and our, our support team was saying, hey, we need to hire a lot more people. Uh, you know, if we're going to continue adding 800 to 1,000 customers a month, we need probably to add a support person every single month at least. Wow. Um, and so that was freaking me out. And I was looking at like, you know, and other founders were like, oh, this is a good problem to have. And I'm like, but man, it's a problem. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and, and so I was looking at raising money because um, I talked to other founders like Clay Collins from Lead Pages. Mm-hmm. Um, they never needed to raise the money that they did, but it was for this exact problem. They were growing so fast, reinvesting everything that it was just purely a cash in the bank problem. And he said, I would sleep way easier at night if I had $5 million sitting in that bank account. Yeah. Um, and so I started to go down, down that road of raising money. I actually had a conversation with uh, Mike McDermott, the CEO of FreshBooks. Yeah. Um, I ran into him at a conference in San Francisco and was like, ah, you bootstrapped to 200 employees. You have encountered this problem. You yeah. Know? yeah, exactly. And so I talked to him. And he just like outlined it and he was like, okay, so let me get this straight. You're adding like almost 30 K a month in new revenue. Expenses are growing right with it. Um, You have no cash in the bank. And he just said, what would it take to be super disciplined for a few months? Like if you do that and like grow expenses just barely, yeah. um, Could you do that? And then what would happen? And I wasn't sure. Um, But then. His his point being, if you just give yourself some buffer, you'll have some money in the bank and you'll sleep better. Yeah. Okay. And, and that you should be able to save your way out of this problem. If you can just rein in expenses and not grow expenses with revenue and figure out a way to do that. Yeah. Um, you know, and are you paying yourself at this point? Yeah. I pay myself a salary of $63,000 a year. Okay. Um, so I am like, middle of the pack, a low end, low, low. I'm one of the lower paid employees in my company. Yeah. Um, but, uh, um, so I looked at that and I thought, okay, it might be possible, but our support team was still buried. We ended up, I had to let go someone on my support team, um, which was hard, but then I ended up restructuring the way we did support and that we ended up, supporting far more customers with much better response times with a smaller team. Okay. And that's when things flipped where I went, wait, we can get way more efficient here. Um, we don't have to be drowning. We can accomplish what we need to with a smaller team than we had before. Um, how did you do that? <laughs> Cause you make it sound easy You make it sound like, well, I just, you know, restructured it. So I moved the desks around. Uh, yeah, exactly. I, I put a light bulb over their head and all of a sudden they were, <laughs> they were working harder. Um, so we did two things. One, we focused a lot of the development team cause we have five full-time developers, um, on helping the customer support team. So the customer support team went through and said, these are the 10 support tickets that we never want to see again. And so the development team went, all right, how can we use engineering to make sure that that particular thing, whether it's adding help text or fixing this bug or whatever it is, to make sure that that question never comes in again. The other thing that I did is I switched everything to be very metrics driven. So the whole team was, we were all feeling like we're drowning under this load of support. Mm -hmm. And so I mapped out, especially I made a bunch of spreadsheets and like graphed out how things were increasing over time to say that, look, um, the support load is not increasing at the rate it's not increasing linearly with the number of customers. Like mm-hmm. it's slower than that. Yeah. And so I proved through numbers that it was a solvable problem. 
and that changed the messaging. So we went from feeling like we're buried and we're ne- we'll never get out of this until we hire more people mm-hmm. to a mindset shift of we can do this and here's how. Mm-hmm. And we went from having 24 hour response, 24 to 36 hour response times and a queue of 250 active support tickets um, to within a couple of days, we'd gotten that down to two hour response times and maintaining an average queue of like 30 tickets in the, in the queue. Um, wow. And the biggest shift, and I still don't fully know what to attribute this to, but I asked everyone, I like DM'd everyone on my team in, in Slack and was like, so what changed? Because I had this whole plan to get us there by April 1st. Yeah. And they like got us there within two days. And I was like, uh, okay, so what changed? And they just said like, look, you showed us how it was possible. Yeah. It went from this insurmountable problem to, okay, this is possible. We can do it. They and did, so they did. They just didn't have hope. They they were down in the trenches. They couldn't see above the trenches. You were able to go in and say, okay, the, here's here's a better way to do this. Yeah. So exactly. So bringing that back to profit, um, we went from barely breaking even um, to in January, we put up, a, or in, in February, we ended up putting up a $40,000 profit. Wow. Uh, and then in February, or in, sorry, in March, um, we should put up a, a fifty-five dollars to $60,000 profit. Gotcha. Um, so, so you're sleeping better now. I am. Um, now we're not spending any of this money because we set a very aggressive goal to get to three months of revenue or three months of expenses in the bank by July 1st. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I made a spreadsheet of, because uh, revenue or expenses have to keep increasing. Like yeah. the Stripe processing bill, the email sending, you know, sending 50 million emails a month that turns out it's not cheap. Yeah. Um, you know, Heroku and Amazon, I'm just like, damn it, did that really just go up by another $500 this month or yeah. like each <laughs> yeah. you add 500 or $1,000 to each of these categories. And I'm like, Oh man. And this is going to um, be increasingly, this is going to be your role is tweaking these little things. Like you, you're going to have to go in, like you, you talked about a people problem you had where you said, okay, mm-hmm. here's the people problem. Everyone feels buried. They're discouraged. They, they just need a way out of this. And the only way they can see is get someone in here in the trenches, helping me dig this, this, this trench. So you saw that one. But now there's infrastructure ones too. Like now you're thinking, when do we build our own servers? When do we start? When do we bring this part in house? Like that's right. going to be your job going forward. Yeah. And those costs don't increase um, linearly with revenue. Mm-hmm. And so I mapped out how they've been increasing, how revenue has been increasing. And so those become less of a problem over time. Yeah. But basically we're aggressively saving towards, uh, effectively we need $450,000 of cash in the bank. Yeah, July first to to have that should equal three months of our projected expenses at that time. Yeah, and then after that, you know, there will be some raises and some bonuses, and um, but we're going to keep that as a rule where we have to have at least three months of cash in the bank minimum. Yeah, uh, I think uh, I'm trying to remember what Peldi's was. I mean, they're they've been very aggressive on that. I I think mm-hmm. they have 18 months. Um, but that's kind of what you have to do. Like, even though you're bringing in all the money, you, you want to have some sort of buffer there to, yeah. to deal with stuff. So yeah, that, and it sounds like the team is with you. Like they're saying, yes, we're going to achieve this. We're going to get to this goal. And, um, you know, after that, there can be, like you said, other things, but. Yeah. And it's been, it's been a good benchmark to, um, all in these guns. Cause people are saying, I'd like to spend money on you know, all the different things that we could. And we keep pointing back to like, well, we have this aggressive goal. We're working towards it. Yeah. Um, 
And, you know, I see a clear path to us being profitable to the tune of a hundred thousand dollars a month. Um, and we'll be there this year, you know, so long as nothing terrible goes wrong. Yeah. Um, that's insane. Um, one thing, uh, we're going to end pretty soon here, but, uh, Ashley says, this is a bit of a tangent, but she wants to know how your lifestyle has changed from solopreneur to hiring staff, managing a software company. She says, you make it sound easy, but managing staff would be so stressful and take up more. And even like, 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 you know, a little bit about how it affects your family and your wife and, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. So there was a solid year in there that was super stressful. Um, we, as an individual, I completely ran out of money. Um, I went back to the bank to try to, they, when I used to have a bunch of money with Wells Fargo, they would always, when I, every time I'd go in, they'd be like, Hey, do you want a hundred thousand dollar line of credit? And I'd be like, no, what would I ever use that for? Yeah. Um, and then June of last year, I found myself back in Wells Fargo saying, Hey, uh, that line of credit that you guys always offered me, I'll take it now. And they went, what's your, what's that bank balance? Uh, yeah, sorry. It's not available anymore. Wow. Um, so there were some rough times in there. I had to lay somebody off for a, co- a few months. Um, you know, we, we drained all of our savings, um, everything like that. Cause I was totally focused with a few exceptions on ConvertKit and not on the training business or any of that. Cause I saw progress. And so I didn't want to do other things. Mm-hmm. Um, so money stuff definitely stressed me out. Um, my wife was hugely supportive throughout the whole thing where early on when we were deciding, should we invest our last 50,000 into ConvertKit? Um, she had kind of outlined, well, what's the worst thing that could happen? Mm-hmm. And she started talking about that. And, and she said, you know, like we could sell the house that we just bought and put $80,000 into remodeling, you know? And then she suggested, you know, like if we need a place to stay, we can move in with her parents. Um, and, and she outlined that worst case scenario and was okay with it. Yeah. And I was like, that's not the worst case scenario. The worst case scenario is I'll get a consulting job and like, <laughs> we'll yeah. be fine. Yeah. Um, so having someone else who painted a, a worse scenario and was okay with that made it easier for me. Yeah. Um, but the last, the last, uh, few months, um, have been much easier and more fun. Um, you know, the, the team thing is hard. There's managing all that stress is hard. Mm-hmm. I always think about, I listen to Tim Ferriss's podcast and he has this question that he asks and he's, it's something like, what's the one purchase that you made in the last six months for a hundred dollars or less that has had a meaningful impact on your life. Yeah. If I were ever asked that question, my answer would be therapy. <laughs> like regular visits to a counselor yeah. to just talk through, um, you know, mental health and all the stress and family things and trying to grow a company with, you know, when you have two little kids in the house too and trying mm-hmm. to be a dad and all that. Um, it's money very, very well spent. Um, so it's it's definitely been hard, but now, now I'm having the time of my life. Yeah, like, this is so much fun. Um, I get to do all the activities that I want. I don't stress out about money in the same way, and I and I just see, like, I don't know, like this wide open freeway of potential towards, uh, you know. We're pushing for $500,000 a month in revenue um, by the end of this year. And then 
We'll see where it goes from there. So see where it goes from there. Well, I am really enjoying just watching from the sidelines and actually now even having you color in some of those details is, uh, well, it's fascinating, but it's also just makes me, yeah, I keep want to, I want to keep cheering for you because I think it's great. Oh, okay. And I just, uh, so proud of you and all this, all the success and getting through that hard stuff. Cause it sounded, you know, that, that was really hard. So, uh, thanks for, spending the this hour with me man yeah absolutely happy to talk anytime cool man well best of luck we'll talk again soon thanks okay bye just listening through that interview again it's clear that if you want to build a software company um there is going to be a lot of struggle along the way. And every person I talk to, it's the, it's the same thing. The journey is always different, first of all. You can't really follow someone else's success to your own success. And second of all, there's always these moments where it felt like they had no hope. And Nathan, for Nathan, that was running out of money and being in, under all this stress... And that stress can feel so heavy when you're in the midst of it. It can feel like just everything, every single thing in your life is weighing down on you. And then you have these moments where you kind of break out of it. And uh, for Nathan, that's what happened. He was able to get through it with some good advice. Community always seems to be the answer. Good relationships. You know, his conversation with Mike is really what helped him turn uh, his situation at ConvertKit around. Thanks again, Nathan, for being on the show. Uh, like I mentioned last week, you can get $10 off Balsamic Mockups. It's the best mockup and prototyping tool I've used. $10 off if you use the code MEGAMAKER. All one word, MEGAMAKER. That expires May 1st. Go to balsamic.com and get $10 off. They rarely do deals, and this is a really good one. So MEGAMAKERBALSAMIC.COM. And uh, that's it, folks. I, I think I'm planning on releasing a few more episodes in the coming months. So stay tuned to the feed. And if you want to follow me on Twitter and see the other things I'm working on, I'm the letter M, the letter I, Justin. That's M-I, Justin. Thanks again. And uh, also thanks to MicroConf for having me and to Xander, Mike Tabor, and Rob Walling for hosting the conference. Talk to you later. Podcast hosting is provided by Transistor.fm. They host our MP3 files, generate our RSS feed, provide us with analytics, and help us distribute the show to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. If you want to start your own podcast or you want to switch to Transistor, go to Transistor.fm slash Justin and get 15% off your first year.